2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Hear the word of God. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now the Lord, that <clears throat> we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And so it does among us. Uh, my son Thomas over here is uh, fascinated with transformers, uh, along with Power Rangers and various different uh, superheroes, but, but especially transformers. And about a year or so ago, we were in, a, in, in the worship service, and the pastor uh, prayed something along these words, that, that God would transform our hearts. Thomas's head came up, and his eyes got really big, <laughs> and he said, Dad, Dad, uh, he said, he just said transformers. <laughs> he was thrilled. Now, he was a little disappointed to find out that that wasn't exactly what the pastor meant by transform right then. But I think in, even in his confusion about that, maybe it's, in some ways he came closer to the right response uh, than I often do. Came closer to the right response of what is being talked about in this passage than we often do. That amazement that God would transform us to be more like Jesus. How awesome is that? Our eyes should get wide when we hear this passage being read. It's incredible what this passage promises, being transformed by the word. We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. What Paul says here is it's mind-blowing. It is outstanding for us. It's a real transformation. The Greek word is the word that we have behind metamorphosis, right? a full change, a full real change outwardly and inwardly, a reforming. And that it's not just into some different design, uh, but to be reformed, that it's especially into that same image of glory as our resurrected Lord, as Jesus himself, that we begin to look more and more like him. I wish that my eyes got wide every time I heard that. I wish that I had Thomas's excitement uh, to hear that. Uh, that's, that's the right way for us to hear this. So we're going to look at the three sides of this, uh, how the passage describes that we are transformed by the word, that we are being transformed by the word. And as we do so, I hope that we can regain some of that childlike uh, excitement 
and wonder at what God promises and what's so fitting to it. Uh, so we'll look, first of all, at an unveiling. You could say the glory uh, unveiled. If you're just looking at verse uh, 18, you see it that way. We all with unveiled face. Or go back to verse 12. Why I started there. Uh, Paul talks about this boldness. Only are we bold. We are, we are very bold. He says, not like Moses. We tend to think of Moses as being pretty, pretty bold. Uh, but he says, not like Moses. And in this uh, sense, that, that Moses would put a veil over his face. And now things are unveiled. Right? This transformation that the passage describe starts with an unveiling of the glory that's seen in the word, that's seen through the scriptures. It's an interesting expression about Moses. It's drawn from the Old Testament. We'll come back to it a little bit. It's in, in Exodus uh, chapter 34 in particular that it's talked about. But I think we can understand that experience of of not being able to see something well, something being partially hidden and not being able to see it as, as well as we wanted to, that there's something that's kind of disguising it or obstructing it in some ways. I think a lot of times we come to Scripture, maybe we feel that way. Uh, maybe even when you agree that in the Word, oh, there's glory, the glory of Jesus is there for us to see. And sometimes it feels like, well, I don't, I don't know how to find it. I don't know how to, how to see it, how to get to it. It doesn't always uh, seem glorious or, or even very interesting. Sometimes I imagine it even feels a bit dull or feels like a bit of a chore. We say, well, I, I know this is worthwhile. My experience of it right now, I felt, I felt the lack of it. I, we're, we understand that. Uh, but this passage speaks in a way that, that what is hidden or what is difficult to find uh, gets, gets brought out into the open gets to be seen uh, not just kind of through the obstruction, but seen fully and in all of its glory, like a a bride with her veil before her husband and being pulled back for him to see the glory of her beauty uh, given to him. Uh, A little while back, the the girls and I were driving through uh, Tom Brown Park, and they, they stopped me. They said, there's a, Dad, look, there's a rainbow. Well, if we see a rainbow, I want to, I want to see that rainbow. So we, we were kind of going slow and already off the side. So I stopped and I was like, wait, where is it? And they kept describing and pointing out where it is. And I could not see that. It wasn't high up. It was, it was low down, kind of right over the trees. And I had to back up the car a little bit to get a, to get a view of it. And then finally, uh, finally, I saw where the rainbow was. But it was, it was worth it, right, to make that, to, make, to maneuver a little bit and say, oh, here it is. Here's all those colors I've put together every time I see it. Amazed by the by the beauty of it. Um, sometimes it may take a little bit of work, a little bit of maneuvering uh, to to look for and find the glory that is in Scripture. But it is it's worth it. And this passage encourages us that it's worth it and that is that it's possible. That it really is no longer veiled. It's no longer hidden. It is put in plain sight for us to see through coming uh, in Christ. It's an unveiling of it. Right, the end of Luke's gospel as Jesus is, uh, the, is, is raised and talking with his disciples uh, says that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Right, so, so the way that the disciples missed it and missed it and didn't get it, uh, now through the Spirit they would be able to see how it was all focused upon him, our need for Jesus, and that he has come to fill uh, the law that we could not. 
to be died and to be raised for us and that he is reigning in our place. And there the glory begins to shine out brighter all through the scriptures. Uh, Paul knew the scriptures very well even before his conversion, right? Uh, before he met Jesus on the Damascus Road. And he there is given this, uh, this vision of Jesus in his resurrected glory, but is, he is first, what, blinded because he did not know how to see this. He's taken to Ananias. He's, he's uh, shown as he begins to recognize uh, that all of Scripture is about Jesus and has that faith in him to understand it. Then his eyes are open. Then he sees throughout the scriptures the glory of it, and we can read passages like this of him continuing uh, to expound that uh, to us. But the particular illustration in this passage of Moses uh, comes to us uh, from, uh, from Exodus 34. If you want, you can turn back and, and read it there. Uh, it, it's, it's an amazing um, statement for us. Uh, but it talks about Moses as he would go, as he had been up in the mountain and then come back down uh, to the Israelites. When he comes back down from being in God's presence, he is literally glowing. His face, it says, uh, shone with the radiance of the glory of God. Uh, and you can, as you can imagine, to the Israelites, that was a bit unnerving, right? That they're here at the base of Mount Sinai, they've seen that God is real, He's, they've heard his voice thundering, but here as Moses has even been in God's presence, and now he is around them, uh, his face is, is glowing. And so what the practice became is that Moses would, would put a veil over his face, so as they looked over at him, they wouldn't kind of get that, get that unnerved uh, uh, vibe of seeing it. And when he would go into God's presence, he would remove the veil uh, and be face to face with the Lord. But when he would come out again, and when he would be with the people, that veil would be uh, put over them, put over his face. And what Paul is saying is, it's not like that anymore. And he's not like that. And gospel ministry is not like that. It's not that he's gone and seen the glory and now he can tell you about it, but you are invited into the fullness of that glory. The veil has been torn away. The veil has been removed. And he is bold to speak it plainly. It's no longer hidden because Christ has come as the Messiah. Because we've seen what was needed as Jesus hung on the cross and suffered for us. And we know the truth of what has been done, that Jesus raised, was with his disciples, and went up into heaven, and reigns for us from heaven, waiting till he returns. Ah, Christ is reigning. It's seen in his word. It's seen in his church. But notice, as you see these, these, these verses uh, between 12 and, and 17 here, that it's not, it's not simply a past unveiling. There's one sense in which once Jesus came, uh, that veil was removed, but he, he speaks of it a different way. Twice he uses this phrase, uh, to this day. Right? He says, yes, uh, in verse 15 to this, uh, or verse 14, verse 4, to this day when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. They're looking at Scripture. The glory of Jesus is, is there. The truth of it is, is the connection there, but it's, it's missed. It still feels hidden. Uh, they don't see how it's about Jesus or that it's about Jesus. Again, in verse 15, yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. So, so it tells us then how this veil is removed, doesn't it? Uh, that it, it is only through Christ that it is taken away. When one turns 
to the Lord, it is removed. Sometimes I come to Scripture and it's just a duty. Uh, Or sometimes we come to Scripture and we're looking for how it improves me and how it helps me or what I get from it. Uh, Or in so many different ways, in some ways that that are very close to or part of things that we should do biblically. What he's saying here is when we come to the Scripture rightly, it's coming in repentance and seeing how much we need Jesus. And the Scripture is telling us about who he is, even who he is for us. As we come in that light, as we come not trusting in ourselves, but trusting in Jesus who is proclaimed in it, then the glory is there anew. Uh, The comfort of the gospel, the refreshment of it, uh, the rebuilding and renewing of it is there for us. Giving up on our own way and coming to Jesus, seeing him as the fulfillment of all we need, the faith and repentance in Jesus again and again. The veils are moved. The glory of Jesus is there. We all know that sometimes when we come to Scripture, it can seem hard to see its beauty or to see its greatly. And and notice that it's not that it's externally veiled. It's not that there's some things about Scripture that are just so hard or you don't know enough or or these things. It's not that it's externally veiled, but it's it's inwardly. That the veil was over their hearts. We need help and dependence on God to see it clearly. That's the unveiling. Secondly, uh, beholding. Right? The passage goes on. We all with unveiled face beholding. Beholding uh, the glory of the Lord, it says. That means as, you, as we come to the word rightly, we're, we're given the, the privileged seat of Moses. The very seat going up on the mountain to be in the presence of the glory of God. If we were down there with the Israelites and you were invited by name that you could come up onto the mountain where God was and come up into the, to the, to the cloud of God's glory and hear his voice speak with you, ah, how wide-eyed and in awe we would be. And here, that's the privilege that we have when we open the word, uh, when we hear the reading and the preaching of the word, when we share in it together, we are brought into the glory of God to see it, to see Jesus more fully, the worth of Jesus in scripture, right? First John tells us about Jesus coming into the world, uh, that he dwelled among us and what? And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace, full of truth. Listen, we, we love to have things to behold, uh, or to put it more plainly. Uh, it, right, it matters what we behold, it matters what we watch. We, we love to have things to watch. Things to look at, things that we think will will matter to us. Maybe that's a new movie that comes out and you want to go to the movie theater. Uh, Maybe that's new content that's on Netflix or Amazon or finding some way to watch some good classic uh, movies that you you love. Uh, There's a lot of things that we spend our time uh, beholding, spend our time watching and looking at. And we think we're going to get some benefit too. And we do get benefit in some ways from it. Maybe that's, maybe that's social media, Facebook or Instagram, and you can scroll and you can scroll and it's... It's amazing how much we can cultivate what we watch or what we want to watch. Um, You have things hanging on your wall in your house uh, because rather than just see a bare wall, there's things that you'd like to look at. Uh, Maybe maybe it's a nature scene, beautiful waterfall, the skies or the mountains or the beach. Uh, Sometimes it's a still life. 
in the colors or abstract art or, or you have pictures of people uh, that you love, that you care about, uh, memories of time with those people. And we spend some time looking at those things because it, it matters uh, to us. There's a beauty of it. There's a thankfulness in it. And as much joy and beauty and good there can be in some of those things, there's nothing greater to behold than the glory of Jesus, the glory of God seen in this word, right? And partially because everything else is derivative. Uh, Everything in creation is is amazing because it reflects the glory of its creator. And we get to see, have some taste of it, and we see uh, that, that amazing scene get a taste of the glory of the one who who designed it, who made it, who oversees it. Uh, People are so valuable and interesting uh, because they are made in the image of God, made with personality and vibrancy and differences and connection. Uh, And we love and value it. And it should be that as we are so drawn into these other things that we love to, to look at or to watch, it should be that as we love that, that it sends us further to Scripture. That sends us uh, back to Scripture to see the fuller glory. That, that here's what we have a taste of in part, but then we want to see the fullness of glory in the Word. It's what we should really uh, want to watch. Doesn't always just feel that way, though. It's not the way we always just, just go with it. Sometimes I've looked and just watched my life and says, why, why is it that I seem... Maybe not in the values that I would say, certainly not in the rationality of how, how I would explain it, but maybe if you watch the, the time of hours that I spend and, and looking at other things or watching TV or watching movies compared to just, just time focused on Scripture and drawing life in it, why is it that I, that I can seem so convinced uh, in my life that, that what I watch for entertainment is going to be more of a blessing to me uh, than the blessing of Scripture? It's not what I believe. It's not what I think is true. But what do I behold? What, what, do I, what do I desire to look at and try to draw life from? And why don't I look at it here more and draw what truly feeds, what truly uh, gives life? Listen, beholding uh, the glory of God, the glory of Jesus is, is a big deal. Uh, It's not something we can take lightly. I think we often do just aim for what's lighter, for what's easier, maybe sometimes what's what's more trivial or or just easier to consume. It's it's easier to just take in a a snapshot of something or a picture of a a loved one. Um, uh, But but those are not as beneficial. Some are are even harmful, some ways that we would look at things. Uh, Beholding the glory of of, of Jesus, it makes makes us feel small at first. Right? When we see how great uh, God is, it starts off uh, with us feeling, feeling lesser rather than greater. Initially feel worse and not better. It leads to more. It leads to greater. It leads to better and valued and loved as we see ourselves, not just on our own, but in light of God's value and of us, of his sin and his son and, and making us into his image and drawing us, remaking us into Christ's image. Uh, beyond anything else to know God, and to know God's love for you and his son. It's a place that we can rest and have hope and stand tall and move forward to see the character and sacrifice of Jesus giving himself to restore us to relationship with the holy God as our father. We can call on in all of our needs. 
can be hard to come to Scripture. But God gives himself to us for us to behold him. Uh, smartphones are, are everywhere uh, now. I've always got my phone, you know, the smartphone there. You see screens are just constantly around. And I notice how much uh, kids have an eye for screens. It doesn't even have to be that we have our phones out. We could be in line at the store, and if someone else has their phone out, you know, Thomas is just kind of like, what's, uh, what's going on there, right? Is there, is there a video? Is there, is there a picture? Something that's just drawn to it. And there's, there's been so much research then about the, the effects on, on, on screens uh, for children and for child development, uh, and, and more of an emphasis on how much uh, children, and all of us, uh, but in child development sense, how much children need that FaceTime. How much they need for that, their development, that eye-to-eye contact, seeing one another, uh, being seen and being known as they learn and they grow and they develop. It's so important for them and the interaction that they have. Uh, and when we come to Scripture, we think of our Father in heaven. Uh, he is not distracted, but he gives us that face home. He invites us to that personal interaction, that eye-to-eye contact with him as we open the scriptures, as we read of what he has done, of who he is on every page. It is that we can behold him. It's that we can know him and rely on him. I've seen, seen a lot of rainbows. I never get bored with seeing a rainbow. There's never a time that someone says to me, look, a rainbow's over there. And I go, yeah, I've seen rainbows before. It's fine. Right? I want to see it again. I want to see the angle of this one. I want to see how bright the colors are, where they, where they draw together. I hear the greater glory of, of Jesus in the word for us to behold. Shouldn't we come to it with that excitement, longing to see it more? And again, it's always an opportunity to behold the fullness of glory in the face of Jesus Christ. What we watch, what we behold has an impact on us. And here, most of all, as the passage draws it out for us, this unveiling, this beholding, all of this leads to a transforming, to a metamorphosis. It leads to a transforming. So first, first unveiling, secondly, beholding, third, uh, transforming. By beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. There's a real change that takes place through being in the scriptures, from seeing Christ in it, that is deep and profound. It's not just external, uh, but it is within and it is holistic, uh, affecting every aspect of who we are. It's not even just individual, but it is communal about the whole people of God in Scripture. It's a transformation so profound as to be moving, as the passage says, from one degree of glory to another. And if you get what he's saying in the context of the passage, he's saying uh, for his, it's a movement from the glory of the first creation that was fading uh, to the fullness of the new creation that will last eternally. That's what's happening as we're in Scripture and seeing Christ. We're shaped more and more into those eternal, permanent aspects of Jesus that will last into eternity. He is building that now. We describe sometimes as glorification. And glorification happens at its fullness when Jesus returns. And we wait and we long for that fullness of glorification. But there's a sense in which the work that Jesus is doing now, reshaping us like him, bringing us to faith and developing that faith, is is part of that glorification. 
It's the, all, it's, it's, it's the already of the not yet that's still uh, to come on that. And it is beautiful for us. It is that type of transformation. It's described in various ways uh, in, in Scripture. It even comes from the foundation of faith all the way to the fullness of its development. So if you see in John when he talks about being born again, that is a transformation. It is a full life metamorphosis of who uh, we are, the rebirth of a new self. In Acts, it's often described as, as conversion, right? This, this turning and change in life and behavior. Uh, scripture uses at times the word regeneration, like in Titus. It is, it is a new uh, beginning or a renewed existence of what it is. New life. New eternal life. Even in a couple chapters later in 2 Corinthians, it is, if anyone is in Christ, new creation, Here's what we long for. It's happening in part now. And we see it, resurrection, life with Jesus. And all of that is the beginning of this transformation. We're to seek it out in the word. This is where it comes. And it is, uh, it is awe-inspiring when we see how God works that. It is awe-inspiring when you, when you think back and you remember how God took hold of you. When your eyes were open and when scripture made more sense and you saw uh, his love for you and that it overwhelmed even your sin. And that it wasn't left for something that you could do for him to accept you, but that he has done it all in his son. It's like, wow. Or to see it in a family member or a friend or a neighbor or hear someone giving uh, their testimony of how God worked in their life. That movement from darkness into light, that moment when the lights came on. I was like, oh, there's so much more to the world than I knew. And here's God with me in it and operating in all of this. It's the transformation that God brings in the scripture. How we long for it. How we long for it deeply, holistically, communally throughout the world and even for its development within ourselves. I saw a book the other day. I don't even remember the, uh, uh, the, the title of the book, but I remember the subtitle of the book. I paid attention to it. So I was thinking about some of these things. Uh, it, was, it was kind of a self-help book, and the, the, the subtitle was this. Stop believing the lies and become the you you were meant to be. Right, just kind of a typical self-help line. But stop believing the lies and become the you that you are meant to be, as if this book is going to get you there. But anyway, that's how and it sells, and people buy and go on with it. Uh, well, why would they put that, that caption on there? Why would they put that subtitle? Because there's something about us when we hear that, we're like, yeah, I'm not the you that I wanted to be. I know, I know I'm not, not the me that I've, that I've aimed for, that I've dreamed of becoming. We're still in process. We're, we've let ourselves down. Again, we've watched other people's disappointment with us, maybe. We've, we want and desire that movement, that process. But how does it happen? Where is that transformation uh, really? But it's in Scripture. Uh, we, we long for this. We always long for this better you. But it's not just that that we get here. What do we get in this passage? What do we get from Scripture? Do we just get to be a, a little bit better of a, of a you? Kind of achieve more of your goals for yourself that you thought you might find? Uh, that, that's way back. It takes us so much farther than that. That you are being transformed into the same image of the glory of Jesus. That you become uh, more than you dreamed that was possible for you. That the character of Jesus, the patience, uh, the love, the commitment to truth and value and the, and the seeing other people of Jesus is what starts to flow out of us. Or you could just describe it in terms of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the life of Jesus. 
flowing out of us on more and more because we've seen who he is in scripture and being in his presence is transformative of us and makes us start to glow like Moses and makes us start to reflect his image moves us from the present temporary partial glory to future permanent full glory to come. Uh, What happens is the church, the people of God, begin to glow oddly from being in God's presence. What maybe was unnerving to the Israelites sometimes feels a little bit odd to other people as they're around uh, believers. Why would they behave that way? Why would they talk that way? Why would they care in these senses? But we show in our life the victory of Christ over our sin and over our selfishness, the beautiful character of Christ and service, the deep love and self-giving of Jesus, uh, truth-telling and not manipulating, uh, the valuing of lives around us like Jesus from having been in his presence and his word transforming us. Other scripture tells us more about how uh, how this happens and what this transformation looks like, but this passage makes it clear how it comes. It comes by the word, by coming again and again to the word, uh, by seeing Jesus in the word and our own need for him, that we are being transformed by the word. Transformers are pretty awesome. Uh, I, I like them more than meets the eye and all that. And uh, if you've ever watched the, the shows to it, to, to me, it's the, uh, it's the sound effects that go along with it when they you know, change, change these shapes and the things. Uh, when, it, when it comes to being transformed by the word, I hope you're not disappointed. I hope you don't miss the amazement of what uh, God is doing. Uh, that, that sometimes scripture is not, not seen as exciting or, or entertaining or as interesting or just as, as easy as, as what we wanted to find. But God's promise here is incredible. And it's true. Uh, and it should bring out in us a childlike excitement and wonder at what God's doing and what God's doing in you, what God is doing in us what he's doing throughout the world uh, and his people. We get to be transformed more and more to being like Jesus now. And it happens in his word. So put it to the test. Put it to the test and come back to scripture uh, more and more. If If you're not a Christian, put it to the test. Come and see what you find in scripture. Read it more and see. Look for Jesus. Look for how you need Jesus in it. If you're a mature believer with great and strong faith, then put it to the test. Come back to it more and see if there's not more glory and more beauty in Jesus than what you had known before. And watch how he shapes you. Watch how he changes you and makes you more like his son, making you more ready for the fullness of glory he's prepared for you, the fullness of glory that he is bringing you into through his son. Let the veil be moved away and behold the glory of Jesus in the word and see how it changes you. The passage is clear. Uh, The promise of God's uh, here of being transformed in the word 
is certain. So the question is, do you want that? Do you want transformation that happens here in the very word of God? 